0: This is the Bare Naked Christianity Podcast, where we're stripping off religious layers and laying down our masks. Join us on this movement to get back to what matters, loving God and loving people. We're bearing all today here on Bare Naked Christianity. And now, here are your hosts, Megan and Josh. So I was thinking the other day that between the two of us, we've got like 20 plus years of ministry.
1: I'm older than you by a lot, so I have like 20 by myself.
0: <laughs> yeah, but I was a pastor's kid.
1: Okay. We've probably got like 40 plus years of mis- of ministry.
0: That's crazy Yeah. think about. I mean, I don't know about you. You were a deacon's kid. I was a pastor's kid. We kind of...
1: Wait, let's stop right there. Deacon's kids do way more than pastor's kids.
0: What are you talking about?
1: No, pastor's kids get in trouble. Deacon's kids actually like do stuff for church and ministry. Dude.
0: I was the kid I was the pastor's kid that used to carry the most chairs so I could go home with a girl.
1: That just made my point.
0: <laughs> I mean, there were <laughs> ulterior motives behind right, doing right. stuff, but I still did things.
1: Never mind. I was going to ask you to define things, but we don't need to go there. This, there might be children listening.
0: Wow. All right. But still, like it's a crazy amount of time that we've put in together or not together. Really, we've just I just moved to Baltimore six months ago, but separately, we've put in a ton of time in ministry
1: on our own, from like you said, as kids growing up in the church, but then also as teenagers and youth group and then you know Bible college students, pardon me, theological university students <laughs> <laughs> and then you know launching into our own ministry careers, yeah, I would say that uh, we have done just about everything there is to do in ministry, including. The things that we absolutely did not sign up for.
0: So many. I I can think back. We both went to the same college. Yes. At different times. University. University. Sorry. When we went, it was a Bible college. Correct. (laughs) (laughs) It is now. Let's be
1: clear. It's still a Bible college with a university surname.
0: (laughs) You know, I was involved in the naming. Oh, my. No, they like the marketing director was sitting there. He's like, yeah, we're thinking such and such university and well, there really was no other university choice. of such and such. And there was only two choices, but right. I was like, I was like, yeah, but if you go at the one, it's going to be the such and such of FU.
1: Yeah. And that, that's what I mean. There was really no choice. <laughs> you it, had to thanks for making first. them stop that
0: direction. <laughs> I, I don't know that I actually had influence, but I did tell the marketing director that. Hopefully
1: he knew enough to know it on his own, but you know, you never know,
0: you know, but so yeah, Bible college, ministry careers, we've seen it all. We've done it all. We've seen the crazy, we've done the crazy, true, (laughs) true story, (laughs) but in all in all, you know, it's been great.
1: It has been good. And I would say that while there were a lot of things that I didn't sign up to do more often than not. Those types of things were learning experiences, even if the point that I learned was, Oh my God, never do this again.
0: You know, I not only did, were there things that I didn't sign up for, but there were things that college, you know, the thing that's supposed to prepare you for the real world, didn't prepare. Oh, yeah, for. no, no, no. Like, I can remember this one time walking into a situation and going, No one prepared me for a kid's funeral. Yep. Like, that was. The worst.
1: But I bet you can write a twenty-five page manuscript for a five minute sermon. I could. Yeah. 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 But that's not going to help you when you have to preach the funeral of a seven year old. I get you. I get you.
0: Why are we doing this? Why did we start bare naked Christianity?
1: Oh my gosh, that's that's such a loaded question. But for me, it uh, it has started over the past year. I as I've had not really a crisis of faith because I still believe. Jesus is Lord and, you know, all of that Christian jargon, I don't feel like my faith has been affected, but I've, I guess had a crisis of my humanity, maybe as it comes to being a human, um, as it comes to being a Christian and kind of just realizing that Christians are humans and for too long, you know, Christianity has been about dressing yourself up so that you can appear holy and perfect and wonderful and wearing masks and, just kind of have been able to strip all of that away and realize that, nope, I can be me. I can be myself. I can bear it all. Uh, And it doesn't change my standing with God. And so that's, you know, why it's been so important to me to be launching this Bare Naked Christianity and finding a way to be myself and at the same time make a statement to other people that, like, you can be you. You can do you and still love Jesus.
0: Yeah. For me, it was, uh, you know, watching... So everybody's got to find out anyways, because I'm pretty open about it. But I have three dads. Um, that two, math doesn't add up. <laughs> I'll explain. <laughs> um, but I, I at one point, had three dads. My fa- My biological father has since passed away. And now I only have my stepdad, but one stepdad. But I had two stepfathers at one time. And my dad left my mom for a man. And, you know, if I was to believe what everyone has always told me or what I've always thought, you know, growing up, listening to preachers preach and reading the Bible through their lenses. If I had always thought, if I had always believed what they had taught me, then my dad right now is in hell. And I just can't, I can't come to grips with that. I can't come to the idea that I'm never going to see my dad again.
1: And I, I, you would say, I mean, and we've had this conversation before in your experience that your dad loved the Lord. Yeah. You know, served him
0: yeah. the best I mean, way he knew how. And... Especially at the end of his life. He was a pastor and he fell away from ministry. But like at the end of his life, I truly believe that he came back to the Lord. He came back and he gave his heart again to, to God and the Holy Spirit was there just like it was when I was growing up. And for that, for me, it goes against everything I was taught growing up. And so I've been on this journey for about three years now where stripping away everything that I learned and going back and reading the Bible and truly when you get through cover to cover, the theme is love.
1: No matter who you are. Yeah. Or where you've been.
0: Yeah. Because it's not our job to judge. It's not our, I mean, it literally tells us that we shall not judge each other and that doesn't just mean brothers and sisters in Christ. That means everybody. Right. And so we need to get back to our bare naked selves, our born again selves when you were born, you didn't have clothes on, so that bare naked Christianity, we need to get back to it. We need to get back to the basic
1: and that's tough because, as I mentioned before, so much of Christianity is trying to cover up what is wrong with us or what is sinful or what doesn't fit in at church and so we put on all this religious all these religious layers. And try to show off, you know, who we are and how we fit in. And it doesn't mean that we are all of those things. It just means they're covered up. No one can see them. And again, that's what this project is about, is going back to who we really are and saying it's okay to not be perfect. It's okay to not fit the traditional Christian mold and still love Jesus. And uh, Jesus loves you too. So.
0: Are you calling us ogres? Ogres? Yeah. We're like onions. We have layers.
1: Oh, is that a Shrek <laughs> reference?
0: Wow. But still, no, you're, I mean, you're exactly correct. We're, it's about being true. It's about being honest. It's about saying, look, here, this is who I am. I'm bearing it all for everyone to see, you know, with clothes on. But,
1: <laughs> yeah, the, this whole bare naked thing, I feel like I should clarify now, is a metaphor.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We should. We're not, not,
1: adv- <laughs> not advocating for you <laughs> to strip down <laughs> This is just, this is all metaphorically speaking. Um, But I, I think one of the main things that Christianity has just kind of missed for as long as I've been alive and probably for a really long time is that God is the judge of the heart. And if we all really understood that, we wouldn't feel like we have to cover up who we are. We would be able to love and accept people. And you know what? Not really worry about if that person's going to heaven or not. And just treat them as a human being and treat them with love and let, God be the one who decides, you know, what happens to their eternity. It's not, you know, sure I'm going to tell them about God's love and I'm going to show them God's love, but if they decide not to follow Jesus, that doesn't mean I turn my love off, you know?
0: It's it's <laughs> unconditional. Right. You you wrote a you wrote a post um uh what was it? It's not up to me. Yeah. And uh that that post tugged at my heartstrings because you know, we have this this area in our lives where it's like, I want to be compassionate, but there's strings attached. Right, Woohoo. Right. You know, I want to be compassionate if, you know, if I'm going to give a homeless person money, I don't want to. I, the, the phrase I hate the most, and I've said it myself, is I'm not going to give them money. I'll go buy them a cheeseburger.
1: Yeah, I'm not going to give them money. I'll go get them some food. Yeah. And that right there is. You know, while it may be well intentioned, that's putting strings on compassion. Yep. That's saying I will love and serve you, but only in this one very specific way.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I think this all ties into I didn't sign up for this because a lot of what we didn't sign up for has compassion tied to it without strings being attached. Because we've it, when you're not when you don't when you have to do something that you didn't sign up for, you just can't complain about it because you just have to do it.
1: I'm trying to connect compassion and cleaning toilets in my head. And I'm not there yet, but I see where you're going, kind of. <laughs> no, but that that's true. A, a lot of what we do is I'm doing this because I love where God has me and what he wants me to get and what he wants me to learn. And because of that, I can do this job or I can do this crazy thing because I have done some crazy things.
0: <laughs> me too. So why don't we talk about some of those? Oh, my. So what's the what's one of the craziest things you've ever had to do?
1: Um, well, you know, it is coronavirus season <laughs> here in the U.S. We've just had our first three uh, cases confirmed uh, in the state of Maryland. But uh, um, that just reminds me of back when I was doing children's ministry at a church. And we went to a big church. Uh, I wouldn't call it a mega church, but it was pretty large, large enough that there was like a Chick-fil-A sized play place in our atrium complete with twisty slide and climbing gear. And
0: you I, know, nev- I never went to a church like that.
1: It was, it was a lot. It was a lot, but uh, being a mom myself, I have three daughters, um, three little girls. I know what a snot bucket. Those things are <laughs> just terrible. And, um, We had, like, full-time paid cleaning staff. Like, we had a facilities person where all of the cleaning is supposed to be handled, but ain't nobody touching this play place. And uh, so I remember it was flu season, and, like, the nursery's getting wiped down with all these, you know, wipes and Lysol to death and everything, and, like, there sits the play place with literally 30 kids running in and out of it. Like, you can, like, see the germs on the walls of this thing. And so I had just determined one Sunday that... My kids are not going in there unless we get those flu germs off. And so I took a five-gallon bucket of, like, homemade wipey solution. I don't know. I put a whole roll of paper towels in the bucket, soaked them through, and I spent the entire morning service scrubbing that thing from bottom to top, um... It was probably one of my most memorable experiences at that church, which is kind of sad. I may or may not have covered my feet and hands with wipes and slid down the slide, <laughs> like just moving my hands all around, trying to get all the spots. Yeah, it was, uh, it was not fun by any means, um, but it was one of those things that was really necessary and no one was doing it and it needed to be done and I certainly never would have signed up to do that that uh, it
0: definitely wasn't in your job description.
1: It definitely was not in my job
0: description. <laughs> That's awesome. I cleaning brings back memories. Um, our When I was in Wyoming, our senior pastor's wife used to do all the cleaning of the church. And she would always enlist one of her 17 grandkids. Um, no, she only <laughs> had five that lived in Wyoming. But they had about ten. But she would... Always enlist one of her grandkids to help, and we that were that could go in th-
1: really poorly,
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they were great helpers, oh, that's good, you know. It grand, what would you call it? Grandpa, grandkid, pastor's kid, I don't know, they were pastor's kids. I got <laughs> you, I follow, I follow, so they, they were great helpers, but one Saturday she didn't have anybody with her and we were living in the parsonage right across the parking lot. And I kind of noticed that she walked in by herself. And so I was like, Oh, you know, maybe I wasn't doing anything. So I was like, Oh, I'll go help with clean. And, um, I wasn't even an associate at this point. Whitney was, my wife was, uh, the only one on staff. And, so, But I didn't care and I just went over and I was like, what can I help with? She's like, you want to clean the bathrooms? And I was like...
1: <laughs> and goodbye.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't say no at this point because I just wanted in to, to say that. I'm like, well, that's not really part of my job description. <laughs> <laughs> but I gotta say, like, the guy's bathroom was disgusting and I was, you know, I was ready for that.
1: Okay, well, you're ready for that because you're a guy, but we both have daughters. I yep. have heard horror stories about what Boys slash men can do to a bathroom.
0: Yeah, but I knew that already. So going into this, I knew the men's bathroom was going to be disgusting. What I didn't know is that the women's bathroom was hold going up, to hold be equally disgusting. No way! No way! It was. There, look, I ladies, I get it. I'm I'm the only male in my house, so I understand how y'all use the bathroom. What I don't understand is how y'all can pee on the back of the seat.
1: Sometimes, never mind. We're not going to go
0: there. I'm just saying there was there was pee on the toilet seat. It's seats. called
1: splashback. You uh, don't you don't have this issue.
0: I mean, not if you lift the seat.
1: That's a key point right there. Did you hear that, guys? Lift the seat and put it back down when you're done.
0: But that was definitely not part of my job description as a pastor's spouse to clean. The bathrooms, but you know, it, it taught me something. It taught me that I knew how to do it. Cause she showed me, you know, the best way to clean these bathrooms. And so whenever it came down to it and nobody wanted to clean the bathrooms, I could do it. And you know, it, it made me feel good. It made me feel like I was serving in a place where nobody wanted to serve.
1: Well, and what's cool about that too, is sometimes because we're humans, we serve and look around waiting for our thank you. Like, yeah. did y'all see what I did? I did this, and we stand I, up front and we wait. You know, I just
0: cleaned the women's bathroom, y'all. But the ba- y'all are disgusting.
1: <laughs> but the bathroom is a perfect opportunity to really show service without mm-hmm. asking for anything in return.
0: Yeah, unless you stand outside the bathroom and listen to all the people go, "Wow, it's so clean in here." Please
1: tell me you didn't actually do that. I didn't do that. I mean, it seems like something you would do, but.
0: No, I thought about it, but I didn't do it. Oh
1: my goodness! From. From cleaning to, I I try to think of, I'm not a cleaner, so I don't have a lot of cleaning stories. The Play Place is probably the only thing I ever cleaned in that church.
0: Um, or in your entire life. Look, maybe. Should we get your husband on the call?
1: No, because he would corroborate <laughs> that 100%. <laughs> I'm not the cleanest person, which is crazy because I'm organized in all other areas of my life. You're also a
0: clean freak without being a clean freak.
1: I know. How does that work? Exactly. I have no idea. I'm, I do have so many other stories of, so I don't know about you, when you are hired at a church and they give you that job description, like you will oversee this ministry, you will oversee this, you will be responsible for this. And then there's that like phrase of death at the bottom that says, and all other responsibilities deemed necessary by the senior pastor. Did you have that on your job description?
0: So when I got hired at my last church, I did not because I didn't actually have a job description. I was just associate pastor, which meant I did anything, everything, anything and everything that yeah. our senior pastor didn't want to do or any of the other pastors didn't want to do, like answer the phones. And so
1: I would have taken answer the phones over this next story 10 times out of 10 because let me just set the scene for you here. Um, we get a phone call from an inmate at the Baltimore Detention Center. Huh. Um, collect call You know, we answer it, whatever Maybe it's one of our congregation members Or something got into a bad situation But no, it was, her, the first words out of this woman's mouth Were, I found you in the phone book And you know what, she needed to pray. someone to pray with her Totally cool You know, that was actually a really neat experience Having somebody who was obviously in a bad situation The secretary patched her through to her senior pastor Who immediately <laughs> patched her through to me <laughs> It is what it is, he's busy So I prayed with this woman, and, um, that was kind of it, I thought. And then the next day, (laughs) collect call, and then the next day, collect call. And, um, it quickly turned into, uh, I have a prayer need into, uh, I need some money in my commissary, and I need new shoes, and I need a new jacket, and I need, and I don't know this woman's situation, you know, she probably didn't have anybody, um, so I did as much as I could, and I, of course, the church didn't want to just hand out money because that's a whole nother blog for another time. <laughs> it goes back to my Just Do It blog. Um, but my senior pastor had this wonderful idea that, well, why don't we make her a care package? Okay, you know, that's fine. If she needs new shoes or new jacket or whatever. So I did a little digging, and it um, turns out you can't just mail the care package to the prison Not a thing, at least not here in Baltimore. You have to go down there. Oh, man. Uh, And not only, it's not like, you know, you see those prison shows and it's like you walk in the glass door into this big lobby where all the prisoners sit around and meet. No, no, no. (laughs) Um, You wait in line on Eager Street in downtown Baltimore City, uh, which is not a fun or safe place to be. (laughs) And uh, you have to get there before 9 a.m., and you're in a line of about 150 people all waiting to get in for visitation and drop-off. All of this was a lot uh, on a first-time, young, 25-year-old pastor who, may I just add, was seven months pregnant at the time. Uh, So this great idea to put together this care package and take it downtown and deliver it to this woman who had called... I remember my pastor's words uh, very explicitly. This will be good experience for you. I feel like he said that often. Anytime he didn't want to do something, he said, oh, this would be good experience for Megan. And off I went on the side of Eager Street at eight o'clock in the morning, seven months pregnant, holding a care package um, into the Baltimore Detention Center, which I should add has since been closed and all the inmates moved out because of deplorable conditions like mold and asbestos. Um, Yeah, I was not happy that day, and I definitely did not sign up to be delivering a package to the prison at seven months pregnant on Eager Street in Baltimore City.
0: Can I ask whose idea it was for the care package?
1: I mean, it was my idea for the (laughs) care package, but I thought that we were just going to, like, mail it. (laughs) Like, here are some things that you need. Here you go. I really did not expect to be hauling my pregnant butt down there. Oh, it was just, it was not good. <laughs>
0: Man, that's, that's
1: fun. It wasn't fun.
0: No, it sounds fun. No,
1: it wasn't fun. It was, it took a long time. Like I, I was in that line for hours waiting to get in.
0: So one of the craziest things that happened to me in ministry, it's not necessarily something I didn't sign up for cause I did. But uh my wife played a huge role in this uh happening to
1: me. Wait, are you casting blame before you've even told the story?
0: Uh no, it was her fault.
1: Mm, okay, continue. We'll we'll discuss.
0: So um I have to do this funeral and I don't know the woman who died.
1: Oh, those are always rough.
0: Yeah. But my my best friend Joe um <laughs> He knew the family, and he's like, hey, man, I can't do it. I'm not credentialed yet. Could you do the funeral? And I'm like, well, I mean, you could technically do the funeral, and I'd just stand there. <laughs> Way <laughs> to like, pass the buck. But he's like, no, 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 I want you to do it. I want you to do it. And I was like, all right, I'll do it. And, you know, it's the only time I wear a suit, weddings and funerals. And so I put my suit in the in the back of the car nicely on the hanger, and it's in the back of our Suburban and I'm wearing basketball shorts and a t-shirt because I'm getting ready and cleaning and, you know, cleaning toilets. Cause you know, nobody does that the night before when you ask them to and, but you know how to
1: do it. So it's fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: I'm, I'm the designated toilet cleaner. That's right. Um, but luckily Jackie was there and she was helping me clean and, and so we're getting ready and Joe's there and we're, I mean, things are flying. The funeral home's coming in and, They're bringing stuff left and right. Flowers are being delivered from the moment we open the doors at 6 a.m. to the moment right before the funeral starts. And Whitney goes, all right, I'll be back. Oh, no. And I'm like, okay, don't be long. The suit's in the car, isn't it? The suit's in the car.
1: Oh, my gosh.
0: And she's just going to get her nails done. That's like a 30-minute thing, right? Dude. She was gone for four hours. (laughs) Four hours. I'm like half. I'm I'm not dressed, and I'm meeting with the family. I'm like I promised. My suit's on its way. Joe's calling Whitney like every five minutes. Oh, and you you don't answer
1: your phone when you're getting your nails done. No, because you can't (laughs) because
0: your nails are under the thing, and and so like I'm in basketball shorts and a t-shirt, running back, putting you know slideshows in the computer, and getting my notes printed off, and. Going over my notes with our senior pastor. Are you getting
1: super dirty looks from the family at this point?
0: Completely dirty looks from the family. I can only imagine. But half the family's dressed like, I mean, they they weren't, let's just say it was an odd family. (laughs) And they were great people, though. And I'm sitting there, and I'm like, Joe's calling Whitney, calling Whitney, calling Whitney. She's not answering. So Joe's all dressed up. So I'm like, Joe, you need to, you need to do all the stuff that I would be doing. Here's right my now. notes, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, you might have to do this funeral, and then I might have to come in and save you at some point. Wow. <laughs> and finally, she calls back. She's like, What's wrong? She had like 80 missed calls from <laughs> Joe and I combined. And I'm like, You have my suit. The funeral starts in 20 minutes. And oh she's my like, gosh. She's like, I'll be right there. And, um so did
1: she make it on time? She
0: made it on time, but like I'm like literally buttoning my shirt walking into <laughs> the sanctuary to to do this funeral and Oh, it was
1: <laughs> Yeah, they don't really adequately prepare us like we were talking about Bible college. They don't really adequately prepare us for the stresses I think that come with
0: yeah, like, being a minister. Have an extra suit in your office, dude.
1: Or take it out of the car the first time when you get to the church.
0: <laughs> Who's thinking she's going to take four <laughs> hours to get her nails done? Well, I mean, did
1: she get a pedicure, too? That's an important no, she question. Went,
0: she went to a... She went to the beauty school because it was, like, ten bucks.
1: See, there was the first mistake.
0: And they had to do gels that day. Oh, okay. So they had to. Like, they were learning how to do gels. And so the girl... And the worst part about this whole situation... Is that she had to go and spend the money anyways to go to her normal nail salon. To get it
1: redone? To get it fixed? redone. Oh. <laughs> there are a couple places you don't go to, like, the practicing students for. I feel like nails is one and, like, haircuts is another. Just yeah. don't do
0: it. Hair dye. Don't, don't, don't go get your hair dyed. Ooh.
1: Yeah. Oh, I, I, you wouldn't want a kid to... Kids are crazy. Yeah,
0: like 18-year-old like kids. They don't know what they're doing.
1: And they start, but they start going crazy much earlier than that. So, so here's a fun one that uh, I didn't sign up for uh, that they definitely don't talk to you about in your youth ministry classes. Um, and that would be walking outside of youth service at the end of the night. You know, kids are playing basketball outside. We're waiting for parent pickup. Um, as the search helicopter is roving overhead and cops are rolling into the parking lot. And I'm like, oh, what's going on? Something in the neighborhood? Oh, no. Nothing in the neighborhood.
0: Something at church?
1: Something at church. So apparently what had happened was um, this girl and her boyfriend, uh, as soon as youth was had been you know, let out or dismissed for the night, decided to make their way to the back dark parking lot for, um, we'll just leave it at that. And, uh, we her, all know what happens in we, back dark parking lots. <laughs> we do. Her parents rolled in to pick her up and caught them. So, instead of, like, you know, a knockdown, drag out, whatever, she ran off. And our, so, if you knew anything about this specific church, it was kind of surrounded on three sides by woods. Oh. And then the main road on the other side. And so, she disappears into the woods. Huh. I'm upstairs while all of this is happening. You know, closing up shop, talking to, the, like, my leaders and stuff. And somebody comes running up the stairs, and they're like, oh, Pastor Megan. Um... These parents just called the police because uh, their daughter just ran away. It's like, it's a parking lot, like ran away. Like, what do you mean? Like, no, she like ran into the woods and she's gone. So I go flying downstairs and I'm like, what is happening right now? And sure enough, here comes the cop into the parking lot and he's taking a statement from the parents and I overhear the chopper just got up in the air and I'm like, whoa, What what is happening? So, I, you know, I get the lowdown, the whole backstory that you're all talking about. And um, sure enough, here goes the chopper flying overhead with the searchlight hitting down. And I'm standing there literally at a loss of what to do. <laughs> I, I did not sign up for this. I don't know what to say to the parents. I don't know what to say to, like, my other little, like, 13-year-old girls who are crying, like, oh, my God, she's going to die. She's gone forever. And, um it went on like that for about 20 minutes. And then here comes this girl walking out of the woods and her parents are leaning against the car, arms folded and she's got like this glare on her face. And you know, it it was, it was God's provision that night that the cop that had responded, um, was a Christian. And I mean, went up one side and down the other raking this girl over the coals for the decisions that she's making now that are going to affect her testimony that are going to affect her parents that are going to affect her children. If she doesn't get her life together kind of thing. And by the time the whole thing was over, she's in tears and I'm going officer, would you like to be a youth pastor? Like <laughs> He knew how to handle it and like how to like speak to this girl. And and the whole time I'm just like, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. Cause I, I never in a million years thought that I was going to walk out to that kind of a situation after a youth service,
0: that's crazy.
1: It it was, it was crazy.
0: You know, one of the one of the craziest things um, we had Joe and I had something like that, that happened in Joe's youth group, and but the cops weren't called. Um, Joe and I found the kid before that happened. <laughs> uh,
1: I I wish that I would have gone out there and been able to like talk the parents off a ledge, but I I mean. Their situation, it was a rough situation from the get-go. They had had issues with their daughter over and over. And so when something bad went down, they just, they snapped right to the police.
0: We, We had a kid walk out of service once, and I looked at Joe, I'm like, dude, he just bounced. He's like, what do you mean he just bounced? So Joe stops service, has his wife come up, finish, and... She finished everything. And we hopped in his truck and we chased this kid down.
1: Oh my gosh. Did you get him? We
0: got him. All right. Like six blocks from the church, but like it was, we were freaking out for a little bit. Like, we just lost a kid. They trusted his parents, trusted us. Oh, yeah. And like he couldn't find his mom in the church anymore. So he just thought, oh, I'll just walk home. I
1: told you kids are crazy. Yeah.
0: You know, there's nothing crazier though being in ministry than living in a parsonage.
1: I have never done that.
0: Don't. <laughs> Next time somebody says, Oh, we've got a parsonage for you, just say, I'm gonna find my own place to live.
1: But I don't isn't care it, if it's free. But isn't it not it great though, because it's free and like your utility yeah, are free. Yeah, I mean it's and... your
0: utility. Ours weren't.
1: Oh, okay. Uh,
0: our rent was. Okay. Uh, it was part of our salary package. But like I don't I don't know. I don't know that I'd ever do it again. Because we were right next to the church.
1: Oh yeah, that. So part we would flew you
0: out in May. Right? Remember that little blue house that was right next to the church? Yes. That's where we lived for the first two years. Like we were right around. there, right there. Okay. I remember one Wednesday night. Um, I was real tired. I had just, uh, I had just done a worship service for youth, um, and so like I played guitar and sang for like two hours, and I was exhausted, and. Um, so I told Wit, I was like, I'm, I'm gonna grab the kids. We're going to go home. You know, you do what you need to do. And so I grabbed Nora. This is who we had at the time. And I go, you know, trek back to the house and the whole trek feet. back. I was going to
1: say what? 17 <laughs> steps. What a trek.
0: <laughs> it was when you're that tired. Um, <laughs> I trekked back to the house and put Nora down for bed. I get down into my PJs. And uh, and I plopped down on my recliner and turned the TV on, shut all the lights off in the house, and I'm just chilling.
1: Let me guess knock, knock, knock. Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> and the worst part about it was where I was sitting in my recliner watching TV. If I had stood up, the person s- standing at my door could have seen me. Okay. And let's just say my PJs aren't actual PJs.
1: So. Oh, now it all makes so much more sense. And so I'm, I'm like, like, "What's like, the problem?" Okay, so he sees you in your living room, but I got you now. Continue.
0: Yeah. And so I'm I'm trying to like maneuver my way off the chair oh so I can gosh. go to my room and at least put basketball. Did you crawl on?
1: across the floor? <laughs> You did, didn't you? You crawled, crawled across, across the, floor. the floor.
0: I crawled across the floor, and did you um, do an
1: army roll though?
0: I army rolled off the couch, <laughs> off the chair. I and like you probably they probably heard it.
1: There should totally be a Bible school class <laughs> on like proper evasion techniques.
0: <laughs> so I army roll off the off the lounge chair, and which I left it up in its upright position with the footrest on. Okay. And I, I army roll off And I, I crawl behind it And I finally stand up When I'm out of view of the door And I go throw a t-shirt on And shorts on And I answer the door I'm like, hello? And they're like, hey, is Pastor Whitney here? And I'm like Oh my gosh, she's not even home <laughs> Like, she's over at the church Oh, well, we couldn't find her So we just figured we'd check at her house And I'm like, nope, not here
1: What time is it when all this is
0: happening? Nine.
1: Oh, people, people <laughs> Here's here's a public service announcement for all you churchgoers out there. Don't go knocking on the pastor's door at nine PM. I <laughs> I think like not even after like seven. Especially yeah. if they have children. Yeah. That's that's there nuts. You go. PSA. PSA.
0: Oh, uh, it was it was crazy. And like all the time we'd be sitting down for dinner or something and we'd see kids and adults like walking through our driveway. And
1: well, to be fair, it was also the church parking lot, right? No, our
0: driveway <laughs> wasn't the church parking lot. We had a separate driveway. And I so I went outside one time. I'm like, what are you doing? Oh, we're just picking your flowers. Oh, okay. And I'm like, but I planted those.
1: <laughs> what's yours is the church's. And what's the, the churches. Churches. church's is it's the, the
0: church's. <laughs> you know, and then like, oh, the best was, um, so we moved in on New Year's Eve. And Nora is like one and a half. And Whitney and I, are we're, we were tired. We had just driven from Pennsylvania to Wyoming. And we were exhausted. So we went to bed on New Year's Eve at like 8, 9 o'clock. Only to get woken up to our Spanish church. Who we hadn't even met any of these people Oh, I bet yet.
1: that party was going down.
0: They were having a party at the church <laughs> for New Year's Eve. And then midnight hits... And they come flying into our the like the side of the parking lot that's right by our house. We're aware, your yard. <laughs> With pots and pans yes. and fireworks and <laughs> we wake up, we think we're in like Iwo Jima or something. That moment was
1: just preparing you for where you live now. <laughs> Cause the same kind of thing happens where you live yeah, now.
0: I lived in Philly for seven years. Yeah,
1: well see, you were ready then. Yeah. You were but Oh my God! Well, speak, it's funny, speaking of going to bed, this reminds me of another thing I totally was not prepared for. Um, and that is being a youth pastor at youth convention with teenagers. <laughs> and especially when some of those teenagers are completely unchurched. So, like, we made a big deal about bare naked being a metaphor before. Yeah. Um, totally not the case. So, when I use the term bare naked in this story, I mean what I'm saying bare naked. <laughs> Uh, so we had a girl who, um, this was her first youth event. Like she'd only been coming to youth for like six weeks and, um, she's like on fire for Jesus, like just excited. And this is, you know, this is cool and I can't wait. And she's participating in the services and, you know, we get back to the rooms and we have, you know, four girls in that room, four girls in that room, a couple guys in that room. And then we have, you know, our chaperones and, um, She, you know, we we give the kids the rules, you know, stay in her room, stay quiet, whatever. Well, I hear a knock on my door, on my hotel room door. And it's, like, the sweetest, homeschooliest, sorry, homeschool friends, um, like, kid who was in this other girl's room. And she's like, "Um, Pastor Megan, I don't really know what to do, but um, Katie got into bed with me, and uh, she doesn't have any clothes on. And I'm like, (laughs) Wait, what? What? I can i are you joking? Is this a joke? You know, because youth convention's all about like pranking and whatnot. And like she's in tears. Like she's Oh my god. She's Ermaker. Yeah, it it was bad. <laughs> so I go down there, um, and sure enough, there sits this girl just like chilling, bare naked. And when I said, like, hey, you you can't be doing that. She's like, well, I always sleep like this. It's not a big deal. We're all girls here. And like, I thought that my little homeschool friend was going to pass out. Like, I thought that, and I and I think I do remember that she asked to call her mom at that time because she wanted to go home. So I attempted to like, talk her down. I was like, okay, well, I love you. And I know this is how you sleep at home, but uh, we're not going to do that here. And she was fine. It was totally not a big deal once I talked to her, but... I think I had more of an issue dealing with my homeschool friend that was, like, about to throw up. She was so anxious about what was happening than our new Christian friend oh who was gosh. just like, what's the big deal? I I was totally not prepared for that moment. But looking back, I think I handled it all right. Yeah, like, sounds like you did. I might have said to the kids, like, we're not going to tell our parents about this one, which is probably like a big (laughs) pastor (laughs) no-no. But...
0: (laughs) Talking about being unprepared for something, we were uh, potty training Nora.
1: Oh, gosh.
0: And um, we were working on it, and it was going well. But she had an accident at the church. And it was during the day, over the summer, her babysitter couldn't watch her. And so we had her with us. And... Um, what's like, Nora had an accident. I'll be right back. And I'm like, all right, cool. You know, do what you need to do. And Aunt, you remember Annie, right? Yeah. Yeah. Annie's in her office and, um, and I'm at my desk and all of a sudden this little tan blur. Oh gosh. Goes running past our desks. Was that a bare naked baby Heine? <laughs> <laughs> And Annie's like, Josh? And I'm like, Annie? She's like, Was that Nora? And I'm like, I think so. And then you hear ding, and the door opened and closed.
1: Oh, she went outside. Oh, no.
0: (laughs) Completely bare naked, (laughs) baby running around a church parking lot. Oh my. Um, I think she was like two at the time. But yeah.
1: You, you caught her, obviously. Right.
0: right? I, I, I got up from my desk. Annie looks out her window and goes, Josh, Nora's running around naked outside. <laughs> and I'm like, completely naked? Or like in underwear? She's like, completely naked. And you
1: better watch that girl, or she's going to end up at a youth convention one year <laughs> sleeping, sleeping bare naked, naked. naked. Next to homeschool kid. Yep. <laughs> Scaring the daylights out of them. <laughs> Oh, all right. Man, Youth Convention, so many stories. So uh, it's funny. It involves the same homeschool kid, which is just hilarious. Um, So one year, so in in our district, the Potomac District, it's like Maryland, D.C., Northern Virginia. Um, So D.C. is a very centralized location for all of our district to go. Well, they only held Youth Convention in D.C. one time because, um, so of course, you get out of service super late, and the only thing that was open in the area was the Waffle House, and it was right across the street from our hotel, which was in a what seemed like pretty scary location. So we take way to
0: go, Pastor Megan.
1: Uh, look, money talks. All right, my budget was zilch, <laughs> so we got the cheapest hotel we could find, and uh, it made for an adventure. We took the whole youth group to the Waffle House for dinner, and then as kids were finishing up. And other people are still waiting for their food because, you know, it was a Waffle House. So everything came out at the different times. The service was terrible. <laughs> it was just whatever. I dismissed a couple of kids at a time to walk with one of the leaders back over to the hotel because it was right across the street. So I'm still sitting there in the Waffle House. And our leader, one of our leaders, has taken like three or four of the kids back over to the hotel. And I'm just enjoying, you know, my meal at one o'clock in the morning. And one of the teenagers comes screaming through the front door. Pastor Megan, you have to get back now. And I was like, what? And they're like, someone just got shot in the parking lot. Okay, well, my first reaction was someone, meaning with our group. Like, <laughs> what? Who got shot? And they're like, no, no, no. Somebody got shot in the parking lot. And so I tell like the rest of my team, stay put in the Waffle House. And I run over and... Sure enough, there's cop cop cars flying into the parking lot and there is a body on the ground in the parking lot because there was a bar attached to the hotel we were staying at.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: And so I go running over to the one room that had already walked back. And I open the door and you would have thought that somebody had just like ripped up their diary and stabbed their dog. They were crying hysterically. And well, they saw somebody get shot. They I'd didn't see it. Too. They didn't see it. The story I got afterwards was they heard the gunshots, which is admittedly scary, especially if you are, <clears throat> sorry, everyone, homeschool kid. And so they went into the room and, but they are crying, hyperventilating. I need to call my mom. I need to call my mom right now. We need to get out of here. We need to go home. I need, and I was like, stop. Just take a breath. Um, I said, we're not going to. We're not going to, it's one o'clock in the morning and you're okay. So we're not going to call mom right now. We, we're going to do that. We're going to let everybody know what happened, make sure everyone's okay. But what I didn't know what to do, and this gets into the part where I didn't sign up for this is, well, then the police start going door to door at the hotel because they're looking for witnesses. And I'm like, I cannot have any of these kids saying, oh yeah, I heard the gunshots. Oh yeah. I saw the guy because then they're going to be getting subpoenaed to dc to testify in court i was like nope nope we're not doing any of that so here i am in this hotel room at one o'clock in the morning coaching kids on what to say to the police when the police comes to the door no i didn't see anything no i didn't hear anything this is my name this is the church this is my leader if you have any questions no but for real like i was i had to protect those kids
0: yeah No, I get it. I'm just saying you're now going to prison because it's been documented on a podcast.
1: Needless to say, Youth Convention did not go back to D.C. (laughs) ever again.
0: How many kids were staying in that hotel?
1: Oh, my gosh. There was probably 200 kids in that hotel. Oh, my gosh. From YouthCon. Now, granted, curfew was like two hours before that, and I was the youth pastor that had my whole group out at the Waffle House, but
0: (laughs) we were hungry. I get it. No, we... (laughs) We... Youth Convention. That's a whole nother podcast.
1: It really could be a whole nother podcast. It I've probably got some crazy should be. Youth
0: Convention stories. But, you know, it, there's so much they didn't teach us, or there's so much that we didn't sign up for that you just do because you have to.
1: Well, and think about, yeah, you learn so much because you're required to do things on the fly that you didn't think you were going to have to do.
0: Well, there's also, you know, that mentality that some people say is a bad mentality to have, but it's like, if I don't do this, who will? Yeah. You know, and that sometimes may be, not be the best mentality to have. But when it comes to ministry, it's like, I have 200 people coming to a funeral in an hour. If I don't clean these bathrooms, there's nobody else to do it. Right. Who's going to do it?
1: And I think that if that's the mentality that you live by, that's a good thing. I'm willing to do everything. Maybe our next podcast or one down the line, we'll talk about boundaries <laughs> where we can say that I'm not going to live by the, I will say yes to everything. Uh, am I willing to do it? Will I clean the bathroom as if it gets down to it and it needs to happen? Yeah, absolutely. But I'm not just going to do it so that no one else ever has to step up and do it. Yeah.
0: Boundaries is a huge thing in ministry. Yeah. And that should be another podcast.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think so. Cause we've, uh, we've exhausted this one with some pretty crazy stories, I think
0: this whole journey that we've we've been on together with writing the blog posts and mm-hmm. you know cuz we we kind of help each other come up with ideas and and edit each other's stuff and read it before it goes live and you know i think this whole this whole journey has been a culmination of those years in ministry and even working our way back to it right you know right now neither of us are in ministry but you know ministry isn't a title ministry isn't a hey i'm a pastor or i'm an associate or
1: right it can be that it can but and I, it is i think for too long we've defined ministry as i'm on staff at a church somewhere yeah
0: and when, that's if you're not just on a worship team you're case. doing ministry if yeah. you're honestly if you're living your life and teaching people and sharing jesus you're doing ministry it's not too many times people are like oh i can never do ministry but they are
1: yeah. Well, and that's what I hope that this blog is, and this podcast is going to connect with, for lack of a better way to say it, with the people in the middle. Yeah. You know, the people who, uh, I may not be a pastor and I may not have a, you know, theology degree, but I'm doing my best to live for Jesus. I'm, I, you know, I'm doing me, whether you're teaching in a public school or working in, you know, an office somewhere. Or a doctor or, a, you know, somebody who just doesn't have a job right now. Somebody who's staying home with their kids. Somebody who's yeah. going through a rough spot. Someone who's on top of the world right now. All of these people who are kind of floating in the middle of like, this is who I am. How do I love Jesus and show Jesus and be a Christian as this person?
0: Yeah. I mean, you, you've you been in the public school system for, um, for almost full time a year now. Yeah. Um, and I tell you all the time, I'm like... All you have to do is be a light to those kids You know We we saw it last night in Giant um, What the darkness can do In our community Yeah, And you know that's another story For another time it was crazy
1: We almost saw a fight and the (laughs) cops came Which is not unusual for The grocery store in our community At all
0: (laughs) But um, you know I tell you all the time when You know you'll text me like I just can't do today I'm like no there's a kid that There's a kid that needs you today, you being you, you being Mrs. Weber, you being...
1: Right, and not me necessarily being Pastor Megan, and I think that's where we've gotten it wrong, is that, you know, the pastor does the ministry, like, you have to have that title in front of your name to be effectively doing something for the cause of Christ, and that's just plain not the case. You
0: don't, and you just need your name, you just need to be Josh, or Megan, or, you know, you just need to be you, and cuz to be honest there were moments where i wasn't pastor josh and i was or even being a pastor's kid you know cuz there were moments there was a time in my life where i wasn't a pastor's kid anymore and you know i still did stuff i didn't sign up for i still there were still moments where i was even in college i'm like they they have what do you what do you mean yeah. <laughs> you know internships don't even prepare you for for what you're going to see, because sometimes in an internship you're secluded to...
1: That specific situation, and yeah.
0: You don't see it all.
1: And I, and that's that's part of growing up. You know, that's part of whatever you find yourself doing, whatever job you land in, whatever community you land in. Um, Gosh, parenting is so much like that. I can't wait for us to do a parenting podcast. Oh, it's going
0: to be great. It's going
1: to be crazy, because so much of it is about... Learning on the fly, yeah, and doing the stuff that nobody told you you were gonna have to do. Um, you know, like chasing your naked two-year-old across the church parking lot.
0: <laughs> and that was a ministry thing and a parenting yeah. <laughs> thing, and they were both fails.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, but that's that's what this all comes back down to. This whole bare naked Christianity thing is: I am me. I'm a Christian. I'm a mom. I'm a teacher. Uh, I'm a minister. I'm um, all of these things, and I'm not going to pretend to be one thing more than the other yeah. or try to cover up a part of my life in order to highlight another. No, I'm just going to be me with all of the fluff stripped away, all of the religious layers slipped, stripped away, and uh, that that's that's tough sometimes. There's vulnerability that comes with that, and you know what? People are going to see my faults. People are going to hear me say words they don't think I should say. <laughs>
0: And that's the thing, like for most of my, you were a youth pastor and a children's pastor. For me, I was a worship leader for most of my ministerial time, career, if you want to call it. And, you know, they're, they're different layers. I don't go, I'm a husband, father, pastor, worship leader. I know it's all ministry. It's, it's I'm all a husband. Of, yeah. I'm a father. I'm a minister. I'm a Christian, you know, I'm a Christian first and foremost. But none of those things define you. They all make up. Who you are. Yeah. You know, I'm not defined by one thing. Right. You know, I... Bare-naked Christianity is this movement that we get down to the bare... The bare necessities of life. Ha! Do-do-do. Bare (laughs) necessities. Sorry. I probably
1: shouldn't sing on this thing. (laughs)
0: Um, But we get down to the bare... The bare-nakedness of it all and become... And say, look, I'm Josh. Look... This is who I am. You know, I'm the same person leading worship that I am on this podcast or the same person, you know, if you were sitting in my living room with me, you know, that's what I strive to be. It's not, I'm not perfect. I'm not there yet. But, you know, I think we need to strive to be the same person in all situations, in all aspects of life. And that person needs to be you. It doesn't need to be who you think people want you to be.
1: And that's going to fly in the face, I think of both sides, both the the church side and the world side. Um the church side I think might even have a tougher time with it because they're so used to seeing this well put together, hide all my flaws, Christian, and I'm that's just that's too exhausting. Yep. I'm just not going to do that anymore.
0: Well, and that's when I, you know, when we we've been talking about starting this for over a year and you know, we kicked it off in December. And now we're kicking this podcast off this spring. But we talked about it for so long before we ever did it. Because it's like, are people really... Yeah,
1: like, I don't want to offend someone.
0: I don't want... I was credentialed in December. With yeah. this You know, and there's this thing. It's like, if I start writing these... And start really ruffling some feathers. Because we are. We're going to ruffle some feathers. We're going to bring on some viewpoints of some things, even in later podcasts, that might not be the most popular inside the Christian
1: But you know what? Jesus ruffled feathers. And, And that's not to say that the Pharisees were bad people. Or anything, but they had a way that they did things. They yeah. had they had a set way, and they did it because they believed and they thought that what they were doing was the right thing. Yeah. Not because they hated Jesus or because they didn't want to hear from him, but they were so ingrained in what they knew and what they had been raised in. And I think that's where our church stands today. People do what they do in the church because that's how their mother did it, and that's how their grandmother did it, and that's how church is supposed to be. And I think breaking that uh, is going to cause some trouble. Um, but I kind of liked cause Trouble. So no, it's, here it's, I am. <laughs> it's been
0: fun. But I didn't sign up for this.
1: I definitely did not sign up for this. And if you want to read more about how bare naked Christianity really got started, um, you can check out my blog post, Naked and Afraid, um, that talks a little bit more about my journey and what kind of led me to this bearing all phase of my life and this project that we're launching. Uh, super excited to go forward with it and, you know, hope you will come along with us.
0: Well, that's it for our first podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed it. If you did sign up, subscribe, um, check out our blog for more content. Uh, the podcast is once a week, but we try to post blogs every, every other day. So check us out, read, subscribe, join our movement and become a bare naked Christian.
1: Thanks for tuning in.